Hello and welcome everyone to the first episode of the second season of Oh Fish By The Way or Oh Fuck I Should Have Brought The Whiskey Podcast. We have something completely new and I'm pretty damn hyped. Uh, first of all, um, this week we have two hosts. Uh, our uh, Greek god is trying to get in but has uh, experienced <laughs> some technical difficulties. So uh, for now, it's Leo and me as your host. Hello, we're joined hello. by a, yeah, we're joined by a guest, and uh, he is uh, well, uh, an actor, a writer, um, and uh, also my best friend. Um, and I think he has some interesting stuff to tell uh, to talk about. So uh, well, take it away, Clan. Who are you? What are you Hi. doing? Where are you? <laughs> Take it away. That's such a nice introduction, right? Just start talking, Glenn. <laughs> Present start yourself. talking for one hour now and uh, sell yourself. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm Clan. Um, I guess the 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 way I'm describing myself in like all the writing and stuff I'm doing right now is Clan Aaron. Um, you know me better as Clan Schuur, like some other people might know me as well. Uh, but yeah, I. Easiest way to describe what I'm doing right now is, I guess, uh, roughly two years ago, I moved to London in pursuit of the thing I wanted to do, which at that point in time was acting, but now has kind of been more thoroughly defined for me as storytelling as a whole. And that's where the writing comes in and the acting comes in at the same time, really. Um, yeah, that's what I'm working on. And it's a long road. Cool. It's a long, uh, yeah, it's exactly what we kind of wanted to get into. So uh, the upcoming episodes and, uh, but first of all, this episode, we're going to kind of explore uh, because there's some goal uh, you ha you've had in mind. Uh, you've put yourself like, uh, you've put that yourself in that path to get to that goal. And we're kind of interested because Leo and I are now third year students. I mean, in some ways, I guess. Starting to get more serious. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and um, yeah, we uh, we have our own ambitions. We have our own aspirations. But we thought it would be cool to ask you about some. And um, Yeah, I think so, like, just to touch up on that really briefly, it's probably one of the biggest struggles of our entire generation. The, the, the amount of perspectives, but still the not a lot of orientation and guidance and... Uh, inspiration on where we want to go and i think a lot of people could use some more help or uh, insights from people who actually made a hard choice and stuck with it and see how that uh, where where that got them yeah so here we are sounds lovely yeah. i yeah i i think so, i agree uh Can't. yeah the first question is basically the million dollar question what what is what is your uh what is your goal like what's what's your uh what are your aspirations in that sense uh, so my goal, it, it, I'd say that it's hard to define a goal in the sense of what I want to be doing right now. Like there, there, there's a lot to it in a sense. Like you have, of course, like when you set out to do something and that's really in anything I find is, and I'm sure you guys have that too. Like you have short-term goals, you have short-term bits, you've got long things and you've got things you haven't even thought about but a year from now you'll only be thinking about that specific thing um the reason i think the longest term i could think of is that i want to uh, get myself into a position where my career is something that i thoroughly enjoy doing and want to 
be doing, genuinely want to be doing until the day I die. And that's literally what mm. I've always set out to do. I've always said that to a lot of people. I never like it when people say, I can't wait until I'm retired. Although that in quite a few situations, I can see why there's validity in that because there's a lot of people who work very hard to a very old age and then try to find that rest and the only way they can find it is in their retirement. But that's something I want to try to uh, yeah, not make the thing I'm doing. I basically just want to make work that one thing that I, I can't wait until the next project. I can't wait until I'm doing that. I can't wait. I love taking holiday, but I can't wait until I get back and do the next thing. And the reason that storytelling does that for me, the reason why storytelling is the way I'm doing that right now, trying to do that right now, is simply because I'm finding joy in storytelling in ways I never have found anywhere else. And that's why I think I'm able to use it as a drive, as uh, the one thing that, even though it might be tough at times, uh, it still will always be something I want to get back into and always prevent me, in a way, from dreading the next day at work in that sense if at some point i am mm. like lucky enough to call writing and acting my career i'd say um that's pretty cool man i think that's huge um because a lot of people my age or my my social circle um they try to take the safe road as far as i know and um work is such a substantial part of a part of our life whether we want it or not the majority of our time we will be spending working. And uh, if you don't pursue something you actually feel joy and happiness for, I feel like that can rob you of so much life quality, which is probably the core of what life is about, right? Yeah. And um, therefore, it's such a big step and um, really important, in my opinion, that you made that move and then went over to London to, to go out and screenwrite and uh, act. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think... And, and that's the thing, it's always very important to find that one thing for you because I guess I was in a way lucky enough to find that and like realize that whilst I was doing a bachelor's degree, which means that like I was like 20s, I think I was like 20, uh, when I fully decide to know this is what I'm going to do now, I'm not going to wait any longer. Because, yes, it was something that has had always been there, mainly in the form of acting, not as much in the form of writing. Writing was some, a realization mm -hmm. I later made later on. Um, but, yeah, if you don't have that joy, if you don't find that joy in the thing you're doing, the thing you're doing practically every day, or at least five days in a week, or yeah. even if it's only four days in a week, if you don't find any joy in that, in any shape or form, then, yeah, that kind of saddens me. And of course, a situation in which that is the hard truth of the life that people are living. And sometimes you don't have any other choice, but I am thoroughly convinced that people, most people in that situation, when they have dreams are still thinking of trying to work towards a situation in which that is not the case. And that mm. I hope that that is the thing that then keeps them going. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you say luck in in terms of finding that that thing you um, you want to do and finding the thing 
you enjoy most. But I, I do remember that at one point you had this reset week, which as I think as you oh, as you right. mentioned it, yeah. like years ago, and you said, okay, I'm gonna. I, you can tell about it. Like I think you said something like, I'm just gonna go go somewhere. And it, it, it was this one thing which uh, I I found this. Uh, the, there's this uh, like speaker slash magician slash kind of YouTuber. Um, he's mainly a speaker, but he's got some uh, beautiful, amazing videos on YouTube talking about some very interesting stuff, Vin Jang. And he basically talked about how every year he would take a week all on his own, away from his family, away from his wife, um, away from all the things that make his life so hectic to just zone in on who he is and why he is doing what he's doing kind of as a like reaffirmation of the things he's doing and what what he's doing it for because of course even though he might be loving his life uh there is that point that you still will wonder like is this really a thing i should be doing why am i not enjoying it this much right now there will be moments that it's tough and um by doing that for him uh, he finds that he finds that drive. He rediscovers that drive again, or he rediscovers like the goal or the idea behind why he's doing what he's doing. Or if it changes, he finds out uh, finds that out at that time. And I basically took that and went like to London for a week, in which I saw tons of shows. And this was back when I was, I believe, I was either yeah, there was. A, the summer of the second year of my bachelor's degree, um, I believe, I went to London for a week and I basically took this notebook with me. I set it, either sat in a room uh, for those seven days, went to shows and walked around. And the goal I set for myself is, okay, I clearly love acting more than industrial design. At least that's what I think because industrial design was what I was studying. And I wanted mm. to uh, find out why. I wanted to find out what it was that made me... I, I actually still have that notebook here. Um, I've got it right on my <laughs> shelf right here. I've got a, sh a shelf <laughs> full of notebooks, and it's like this. Uh, acting one, prepare now to fully enjoy it later. That's what I wrote on the front. Damn, and, I dig that, man. And it's like... It's talking about like why do I want to be part of uh, why do I want to be part of the company instead of the audience? Why do I want to act professional instead of doing it as a hobby? Why do I want to make acting my profession? Like it's all these questions that kind of go like yeah, I don't want to fully commit to this if it turns out that I might as well just do it as a hobby because I enjoy it. Um, like for example, I enjoy photography a lot, but I don't want to make it my profession. I enjoy it as a hobby, and I wanted to make sure that acting was a thing I really wanted to do as a profession because at the moment you know that that is really the only thing that will bring me that. At the moment I knew that that was the only thing that brought me that satisfaction, I went into a kind of overdrive in that. I started doing auditions for drama school the next year. I started uh, like a few months after I finished my bachelor's degree, which I did finish because I wanted to finish it. Um, I moved to London and I started basically living here, trying to move towards that goal that I found out or I fully believe and still do believe 
uh, is the thing that truly mm. will make me happy in the end. And yeah, that's that's really uh, interesting mythology behind it because basically you kind of went through like the process of introspection to come to the conclusion you're actually suitable to become an actor and that you can do this. And just by thinking about it more clearly, you actually realize such an abstract dream and, and with perseverance realize it made it possible. And that's powerful stuff, man. You know, like I don't think many people realize what it takes to, to get to their dreams. And it's such a good way of, of just questioning yourself with, the essential stuff in order to make it work and if you believe you can do it usually you can it, it sounds so simple <laughs> and ridiculous but it's it's quite the truth yeah. you know well i like to i like to think that if you believe you do it and if you work so hard for it and if you like are willing exactly. to of make course. those <laughs> yeah. decisions that kind of make yeah. things tough at times because the first few months i lived in london mm. shit and i'm quite happy the mm. way i'm living right yeah, now i can imagine but um i'm not that's also something I want to talk yeah, about in a minute. Yeah, but yeah. Sorry. Um, but like, I'm not there yet. I'm, I've only been here for like almost, so almost two years. Uh, September 17 is when I've been here for two years. Exactly. That's the day I moved here. And um, I, I have done things as in like, I have figured things out about myself. I figured out about myself that, drama school is not the thing I want to be doing after all because I like writing and I don't want to put writing aside for a drama school to focus fully on acting and I like I work on I worked on this short film with Earth in New York and like I'm working on short films right now and like but it's all like still like my own projects our own projects and still like very early stages like i wrote so like i'm trying to get an agent right now for a book i wrote i'm trying to uh hope getting an agent after all this pandemic stuff is over for uh, for acting but i haven't acted in anything yet i haven't done anything about that but i'm not necessarily worried about that because i notice that i'm improving i notice that every short i make i find out something new every uh, everything I write, I learn other things, and I enjoy doing this. And I think I'm so glad I moved here because there was a moment where I was like saving up money, saving up money to go at some point, and it got later and later. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go in September. I'm going to go in September. And I'm so glad I did because otherwise I wouldn't have met the people I have met, and I wouldn't be at the point I am now. And even though I'm so far from the goals I've set for myself to become a working actor, make money off of writing as well, or star in things I wrote myself, I wrote with my friends. Um, I'm not worried about that because somehow I enjoy doing what I do now and I enjoy working towards that. And I'm not worried about not getting there because for some weird reason, it doesn't feel like it's impossible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, can, I mean, of course, we talked about this and it's 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 something that we uh, uh, we touch on pretty often. I, and I think but that's uh, that's also uh, I think I want to add on, add on, on that is that um, we wouldn't be satisfied doing anything else. No. I think that's a very big thing. Hmm. And that's that's like because if you um, there is it feels like almost uh, it almost feels like there is no other option except doing this mm. 
And um, so that takes a lot of um, like fear out of me. Like it's, it's uh, hesitation, doubt. It of of course, like it's not. Like I'm not superhuman. I, I do I do doubt my my actions, and sometimes I'm like, oh crap, what's going on? But it's very um, yeah, it, it passes very quickly because you figure out you figure out that this is the thing you want to do, and there is there is really nothing else to go for. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to add something to that as well. Like to be honest, if I'm honest, if ten years from now I suddenly figure out that. I'd rather become a full-time writer than uh, do acting. I'd be okay with that. If that at that point suddenly turns out to be the thing I actually want to work towards at that point, that's okay for me. But at least at this point right now, I'm working towards the thing I want to do right now. And I, like I'm pursuing my dreams, I'm pursuing my goals, and that makes me happy. And if my dreams change, I'm pretty sure that they won't change that much, but they might, might alter in shape or form in some ways. But that's okay because, like, like I said, I didn't, I yeah. don't want to go to drama school anymore. But that's okay. I'm actually glad I do have those realizations. But the only way you're going to have those realizations is by, in some shape or form, trying to pursue those goals. Exactly. A lot of teens have this. Uh irrealistic idea that they need to have their whole life figured out by the time they're 20 or 23 mm. finished maybe one bachelor's degree and need to know exactly where they're going and that's so far away from the truth for anybody really because most of the things that will happen in life will get thrown into your way by coincidence or, or like some random person you meet or opportunity that comes along and there's no way you can plan for that so just strive for the goals you currently have and, and do your best to get better at those rather than putting so much pressure on yourself to make the most perfect way for or path you want to go down. Or choice, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that is so true. And like, like a good example of that is, uh, I, I, I like to tell this one because I always kind of remember this when people start talking about age and like you need to, uh, know what you're doing when you go to university you need to know what you're doing you need to like because of course you i was talking to so, uh, to someone about that today even uh, about how ridiculous it is in a way that basically when you're like 18 90 years old you suddenly go like well um now you're gonna make a forty thousand pound or like a forty thousand euro decision uh that's gonna define the rest of your life and that's what you're gonna study and that's what you're gonna become uh, luckily enough, in reality, it tends to turn out in such a way that even if people decide wrong, they can still work it out in such a way that they find what they're doing. And right. a good example of that is like this guy, uh, like when you look at Broadway and like West End and stuff, you have a lot of people um, who get into that stuff at like in the 20s, 30s. But there's this guy who um, played the wizard in uh, Wicked when... Uh, he was 57, I believe. And that was the first time he was ever on Broadway. First time ever. And that mm. is at mm. such a late stage. So, like, well, it's seen as such a, a, such a late stage of his career. But for him, that, of course, was the thing he, he'd been working towards all his life. Or even if it wasn't, because I know, don't know him personally. Even if, let's say, he started doing that when he was 40, he got there. And that's another thing that Fing Jang also says very well. Like when you're 
when you think that like from 20 to 30 that's like the uh, that's like the only moment in which you can decide what you're going to do that's wrong because from 30 to you can from 20 to 30 you can like try out this career from 30 to 40 you can try out a different one exactly from 40 to 50 that's like 10 years for three different careers that's a ridiculous amount of time to try out like entirely different things and of course, like the, the dream scenario is using all those 30 years to do the exact thing, what exactly fits for you. But in reality, that's often not life. Ain't that know, perfect, it, it, it's right? not what happens. It's, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. People. And I also, I'd like to think of my twenties or 20 to thirties as kind of like my fuck up mm. stage where it just can try out a lot of shit without a lot of repercussions. Because I think the older you get, the more responsibilities will be laid upon you. And there's nothing you can do about it, but just as the normal course of yeah. life. And um, rather than not like hesitating and, and being afraid of certain things, now you have the opportunity to, to still do whatever you want. And it's not that bad if you fail. And in the end, you will have learned something valuable that will help you to get to where you want to go even though you might have not reached that uh, operative goal, like that short-term goal. And um, I think that's quite big and important to keep in the back of your head. It's not bad to fail because you will learn so much more by just trying. Yeah. No, totally. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we, well, we've got a bunch of like-minded people in the in this in this chat anyway. So, I, like, I knew I knew that from beforehand. But it's uh, yeah, uh, like that's why I like like bringing uh, yeah, well, no, I like you guys together like because I, I knew there was uh, there was some uh, like-mindedness. Uh, however, I, I want one more. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, go on, sorry. Go on, go on. Um, because this all sounds so dreamy and perfect <laughs> and like a little fairy tale and you can always do whatever you want. I also want to talk a bit of this struggle. So um, walk me through this. You just graduated from your uh, university. You got your bachelor's mm -hmm. and you go to England. What kind of struggles do you face when going there? And what are the biggest challenges for you initially? So and what gave struggles you confirmation maybe too? Yeah. Um... First of all, I, I did quite some research. I, I know there's stories of people going out there like with a hundred bucks, a hundred pounds, hundred euros, hundred whatever in their back pocket and coming here or going there and kind of somehow making it short. I, I'm sure those stories are out there, but um, that would never work for me. And I wouldn't want that to work for me because I'd rather be have a bit more certainty because that's the thing, like, you don't have to be fully uncertain when you're trying to pursue something. There's a lot of research you can do. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. And yeah. so I, I did research. I, I looked up prices for London. I looked how much I would have to be making for uh, like monthly to live comfortably to like live. Well, and when I say comfortably, like just fine, not like proper middle class and whatever. Um and like what I needed to be there, what I needed, uh, how I could find a job, what, of course, and on the other side, you had the acting thing. What do I need to get into drama school? What do I need? Uh, what kind of classes are there? What can I do in that uh, kind of uh, frame? And in the end, what it kind of ended up being was, well, I had savings that going by my calculations would keep me, uh, would allow me to survive for, I believe it was either three or four months when I went 
and I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm just gonna go. I was like, the reason I was postponing it is because I was trying to get to six months, but I just didn't want to wait any longer. I didn't really enjoy the job I was doing. Um, and I just wanted to go. I, it was really that simple and I still already had some savings. So I went, I booked this Airbnb and from that Airbnb, um, the struggles really started because like, like I said, sure, before we started this podcast, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't, well, of course I had a bank account, but I didn't have a UK bank account. So that means I basically, you need a credit card to pay for everything because Maestro, uh, which is the cards that you use in the Netherlands, they don't really work in the UK. So I basically needed to use my credit card for most of the payments I did. And for most of the payments I would have to do, i.e. getting a phone contract, finding like a house and things like that, uh, getting a bank account, bank statement and that kind of stuff. I wasn't able to do most of those things. The, like there was this one bank I wanted to open an account with and they were like, well, you need an address. And I'm like, well, I don't have an address yet. Um, so they were like, okay, well, that's uh, okay. Then we can't help you. Uh, so in the end, luckily enough, I was able to get a bank account somewhere else, but that took a long time to even get something as simple as that arranged. And in the end, I took like a full month getting my bank account together to get a prepaid SIM, like things like that, uh, find a place I could live. And quite literally, I moved in into that play, uh, place in Camden which was 780 pounds a month, which I thought was reasonable. But in honesty, I realized uh, when I started working <laughs> from people was quite a high price, especially for what I got. Um, I basically was paying for the location. Um, but I moved in there like one or two days apart from where my Airbnb was supposed to end. And around that time, my Airbnb hostess who uh, lived in the same house as I was living in, uh, had turned quite sour on me as well. So I didn't know anyone. Mm. I didn't know anyone in London except for the hostess who really didn't like me at that point. Um, the only way I could really contact people I knew. Why? Uh, Why didn't she like you? She thought I was making fun of her in Dutch to my friends, which I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but, um, like she got really um, angry about that at some point, And I just didn't know what to do with that. That's ridiculous. And, yeah. She, and she called me rude and everything, but yeah. in a very um, toxic way, in a way that you kind of go like, okay, I don't all feel right, comfortable right, here. Right. Um, so I was glad to get out yeah. of there. Um, so I was in this place. And then I started looking for a job, which I, ended up finding somewhere in December, uh, which to be fair, in the end was like three months down the line of when I started, uh, when I moved over to the UK. But that doesn't mean that I basically was there one month looking for a place with especially the last week or so being quite uncertain. Um, and after that, just going like, well, the amount of money I've got is getting smaller and smaller and the amount of time I've got to find a job is getting smaller and smaller. And in the end, I was lucky enough to find something and like that gave me a lot of safety and that made me feel a lot more secure about things, of course. Uh, so that helped. Uh, I think the only, uh, the only pro about not being able to find a job and not like uh, having to spend a lot of time on that was that 
I used a lot of time to um, go to shows and like uh, practice like monologues and things like that and prepare for auditions and things like that. Uh, read books, read plays. What was the, the first job you got? Um, it was the job I uh, was made redundant at because of coronavirus. Um, so I've worked there for one and a half years uh, and it was at a theater um, at Hamilton, mm. Victoria Palace Theater. Uh, I was basically front of house there. So uh, ushering people to their seats and things like that. But yeah, it was it was fine for what it was. Um, and yeah, it was okay to do. And I was very thankful to have it. There were, mm. uh, there would, there were a lot of worse jobs out there really to get in that kind of situation anyway, so yeah. So this was like the, 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 the like the struggles and the setbacks in the, in the first couple of months. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know you went to a lot of auditions oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of auditions kind of means a lot of rejections. How, like, how would you describe that experience? So the, um, I did two years of drama school auditions and those are really the only auditions I've done because um, even though you've got open casting calls in the US, you've got that quite openly. You've got, especially for theatre, you've got a lot of open casting calls. Here in the UK, it's a, it's a lot smaller and the ones that are going for that uh, tend to be musicals. So that's not really something I necessarily want to go for uh, or could go for given my uh, singing voice. Um, so <laughs> basically drama school auditions for two years and I started doing that in my third year of university. So there were weekends in which I flew back and forth between uh, Netherlands and London to watch a show oh, right. and yeah, do an audition. And there were some auditions that uh, were very, uh, very good experiences, learned quite a bit. Um, and there were some auditions that were very short. I did my monologues and I was out like in half an hour and that was it. Um, and some of them directly gave the result. They said, no, you didn't get it. Uh, you, well, you didn't get it. You didn't go through to the next round because there were, there are always like three or four rounds to it. Um, or they say, well, you'll, we'll, we'll let you know later on. The first year I didn't get through any initial round. The second year I got through uh, a few. I was able to get to the last round uh, of one drama school, uh, which I was quite happy with because that was kind of like my, one of my like favorites anyways, which I, uh, and that helps as well. Because of course, if the first year, the initial year, you don't get through anything, it can happen second year, it can happen, but the moment you go through two years of like rejections full on, um, you start to doubt yourself a lot more. And to be fair, there's like people who didn't get through any auditions for drama school up until their four, fourth year of trying and then they suddenly get through and go to drama school. Um, so it, it's that weird. Like it's very much like this industry, uh, the acting side of things at least, in the sense that, the reason you don't get through can literally be because they already have someone who looks like you because they are kind of casting the group of people they have as well, because they don't want two people who have, have short curly hair um, and gray eyes, because then they kind of go like, well, that's not going to help us sell them either because then they're the exact same for agents and the exact same people 
in the shows we'll put on and everything. So it's really uncertain in that sense. And even more so in the industry, you hear a lot of that, that people can literally just have a bad day and you remind them of their ex. Um, so they don't like you for that. And that's why you didn't get through that uh, casting call. Um, but I, yeah, I got a lot of rejections basically. And it's not fun. It's never fun to get rejected. Like, let's be honest. Every, every, there's no one who loves <laughs> of course, getting yeah. rejected. No. Like, it, it's shit. It's, yeah, that's especially bad. when it's, you uh, want to be accept, accepted. Um, but yeah, the best thing you yeah, can man. do is make, like, find the positives. Like, what did you get out of it? What did you learn from it? Did you learn anything from it? Did you not learn anything from it? Why did you not learn anything from it? And like, there's always something you can find there. And in the end, that's how I was able to get the most out of my experiences. Um, but yeah. I remember I was so jealous. I am still to certain, like I remember because I was still studying um, IT at that point and you were going off on these like crazy <laughs> things and just, uh, I mean, and like it's, it's perspective, right? Because you were, uh, just thinking, damn it, I can, I'm getting rejected. And I was thinking, he's he's doing it. He's like, he's chasing his dreams. He's he's going for it. And I could only respect that. And also the way you handled, because you talked about that, about the way you handled those rejections. And it bas- it's basically like literally, and it's the most cliche thing ever, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. The moment you got a rejection, you're like, okay, cool. Let's learn from that. Yeah. And um, to make that switch, to be able to, accept that that's amazing like that's i uh, that's still something i uh uh yeah i uh envy <laughs> like, like i'll be i'll be honest like especially the auditions in which um you have the like you do your bake you do everything and like it felt good it felt right and uh like there were some of those that you like okay that was quite all right and then you get lined up at the end and they say okay we want to talk with this person the rest can go and you're not this person that they want to talk to that like that feels literally like a gut punch so like there there will always be a moment even if you're able to twist it around it will take some time to do that um that's at least what i've found and i can imagine like there's like everyone will go uh will work that out in different ways and everyone uh will be able to um compute that differently but yeah i am yeah once again i use the word lucky i'm I'm lucky enough to be able to say that i feel like i've learned something from every rejection and i've got the same with like my uh script right now and my novel or my novel right now that i put out there the manuscript to agents like if i get rejected that's fine um, I hope to learn something from it, but I put it out there and I'm just going to keep going and keep trying. And if the people that I've sent it to right now don't like it, I'm going to do some rewrites because I already have some rewrites in mind I want to do, but I'm just waiting until they have responded. And if they don't like it, I'll move on to the next ones. And if they don't like it, I'll try and find something different. And it's mm. just, yeah, trying to keep going the grind never stops. <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to touch upon is um, the impact of your environment. Right. And um, 
for instance, one big determinant in, in many paths of young people is the parents or the immediate environment. And usually the parents have a, just a strong impact on where you want to go. And they shape you in so many ways. May that be conscious or subconscious. Mm. Um, did your parents support you in your uh, endeavors? Or was it more of a uh, auton autonomous choice where you just said, I'll do my own thing and... Um, if you don't support it, that's fine. I'll do it anyways. It, it, it's kind of a combination uh, of both, luckily. Um, I, I know my mm. parents both worry. I know they both, they they want me, to, I, uh, they've told me that they want me to be happy, but they uh, also want me to have a roof above my head. They're like, it, that's the most factual way yeah. to say it. <laughs> and I, I get that. I truly get that. Um, like one thing my mum always said was like, well, uh, I do want you to finish your studies. And that was something I always said to her, like, for sure, I will finish this. Um, I never saw it as a backup. I still don't. I don't want to use it as a backup ever. Um, that's like as ironic as that is. Yes, I did a bachelor's studies in industrial design. But when I'm looking for a job, even though I was made redundant, uh, that was one of the last things I was looking at. Because the moment I was looking at it, it just felt so wrong because that's the thing I left behind and that's the thing I don't want to do. So why am I looking at it? Um, but yeah, they, they're, they're very supportive and like they, I send them when I, when I write something, I send them off. I filmed something I shared with them and they're very supportive in seeing it doing in me doing what I'm doing. And I think it also like gives them some relief to see that like I'm, alive and well i've almost lived in london for two years mm -hmm. and i i'm glad to i think at least in some way be able to give them some some reassurance that yes i'm doing okay i'm here i've got a job uh -huh. i've got some income yeah, and i'm working towards what i want to do how about their <laughs> how about their initial reaction were they a bit more freaked out back then or was it <sighs> uh smooth sailing <laughs> Yeah, what was the first time you, you like dropped the bomb? I, I, don't, exactly. I, I don't think it was ever really a dropping the bomb because I uh, would always talk when I was still not entirely sure about, like, I thought about, I've always thought about going, uh, trying to pursue acting at some point, uh, even when in high school at the last year, I basically, basically when I decided to go and study industrial design, I was like, okay, the idea at that point was I'll do that. I'll do a master's, I'll get a job, I'll uh, save up money, and then for two years I can fully focus on acting and see if, how that pans out. That was the initial idea. Then I did my studies, and I so realized that I don't even want to work full-time a job like this for a year or something mm. like that. I would really not enjoy it. It's not what I want to be doing. And it's going to take more than two years to get anywhere in acting. So I want to do it now. But in that master's talk, I always talked about going abroad. I always talked about going somewhere else. And like for my internship, I went um, to South Africa. I was there for like three months. And like I've always been kind of away um, in that sense. So I do believe they've always expected me to like leave the Netherlands at some point, to go somewhere else at some point. Um, but the thing about acting, yeah, I was quite open with them about it. I was like, well, 
I think I want to do this. I think I want to pursue that. I don't want to do a master's. And um, I openly talk you through with them. And I don't ever, I don't remember there ever being like a, like a bomb moment. or like, oh shit, you want to do that? Wait, what? And yeah, I, I know there's moments in which like my mom goes like, oh, okay. Like I mentioned, like <laughs> there's a point like, Eric wants to go to New York at some point. I want to go to New York at some point as well. And I like randomly mentioned that to my mom at some point. And like, that's all always been a certainty, but she suddenly went, wait, wait, you're going to New York. Is like, is that the idea? And like, it, it, it's kind of in that sense, like, yes, she worries, but um, not in a way that like, I try not to make her worry too much. I try to basically go like, I get that you're worried, but this is what I want to do but I'll make sure that I'll be fine. And um, you're right. reassuring. That's good. That's good. There's understanding. You do a better way of doing that. They want to support you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and yeah. yeah, I'm glad to have that because like you say, there's, there's a lot of people out there who don't have that. Um, there's a lot of people out there who can't just as easily say, well, I want to do this. Yes. And I'll do, I'll be smart about it because I can imagine there's a lot of people who, a lot of parents who won't allow their kids to even try to be smart about it because they expect them to fail. And that's a sad situation to be in. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, apart from like your immediate environment, because uh, I mean, your parents were, I mean, I know they're, they're like, they're golden. They're supportive. Um, How's like the dealing with the crowd, like the, the the murmur in the background the i i like are you have you paid attention to that or is it something like because you you've always had to explain yourself and when people like a party ask you like so what do you do nah. and you had to <laughs> like the, i know you enjoy that oh, but yeah. it's like how uh how is that going it's um there's two sides to it that actually made me remember something because i noticed especially when in the third year i started doing those audition trips and stuff like that, I noticed that there was uh, quite a big disconnect between me and my environment in the way that I could talk about like theatre. Because like theatre is a bigger passion for me than filmmaking, even though I enjoy filmmaking and I enjoy like film and things like that as well. Like in the end, I I like standing on stage a lot um, and... I like just the experience of that. And like, I've ha have some great memories of that. Um, but there was a big disconnect. And like, then at some point, suddenly I was talking to Amber, uh, Amber, who's like studying mm. some theater related, uh, theater, theater studies, science, something like that. And that was the first time I yeah. actually had a conversation in which I could like thoroughly go into these kind of things that I, found out were truly my passion and that was so great but with a lot of other people you don't have that so when for example i last year in november i was back in the netherlands for my grandma's birthday i was talking to my cousins like who are all in their 30s uh, like i've got four cousins in their 30s from that side of the family and I was talking to them, explaining, well, like currently I'm writing this play and I'm able to do this and that and everything. And you could just kind of see them being kind of uncomfortable with it, not really knowing how to respond. In hmm. like, I believe they tried to be supportive. They were like, oh, cool. Okay. 
Um, and I basically said, well, I can send it to you if, when it's done, if you'd like to read it. And they said, yes, to that. I sent it to them. I'd never heard from them about it, but like, if it's kind of in that sense, <laughs> like, like I love those guys, but, um, and I get it as well because they are like two of them are actually industrial designers and I did this studies and I would like, nah, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> nah. So, not for yeah, me. so maybe there might be something there as well. Go like, Hmm, what's going on here? But, um, yeah, like there's, there's definitely confusion there. There was like this one person last day of my uh, university course. I told like, yeah, I'm going to London. I'm going to do this. She was like, wait, what? Why? You can do this. Why would you do that? Like, uh, very confused in that way. And my parents tell me quite often, like, quite like uh, enjoyably about the how they like talk to their some of their friends or like uh, some people from like back in the day. They suddenly meet here and then. They go like, yeah, he lives in London. He does this and that and that. And that they just kind of go like, huh? They just don't expect it. They don't really. <laughs> get it as well and i get that that's that's fine like like when someone goes to me i haven't spoken for five years or when someone talks to me about their passion odds are i will be interested because i like talking about passions that like i like i like seeing people pursue their passions i like to see hearing what people are doing what makes them tick but there will be a disconnect in the sense because i won't be as passionate about that the thing they will be passionate about so how can I expect other people to fully understand what I'm doing or why I'm doing what I'm doing? Yeah. And I think it's also a big thing that you don't necessarily need the approval of others in order mm. to pursue whatever it is that you have going. But if you really are all in for something, you don't really care about anybody's opinion because you just know deep down that it's something that will get you where you want to go. And that's all you need as motivation or like a starting factor. Yeah. I think, I think mainly as a starting factor for sure. And yeah, it, it it's great when you can like support yourself in that. I have found though that, um, like, um, when you get some form of approval, especially from people in the business, it, it feels very, like, very reaffirming in a way, very heartwarming in a mm. way. And in that sense, like, confirmation, affirmation is great in that sense. Um, but when you don't get it, you shouldn't be too worried about that. Unless, I guess, like, you've been yeah. trying for 20 years and you haven't gotten it once, then you might maybe then it's maybe time to start thinking about, am I really doing the right thing for me? But yeah, apart from that. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So we, we're gonna, gonna try to close it off. Uh, I actually want to ask some quick things and I don't want to, because, uh, we, we can ramble. We, should, do quite the, some we time. should keep on the playlist too. Um, just, just, uh, just on a side note, we have a playlist and we add uh, some all right. songs on a very irregular basis. But if you have a favorite <laughs> song or something you really enjoy listening to, uh, <laughs> spit it out and we'll add all it. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I actually, I actually get into that in a minute. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, because because we can, no, 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 you're right. We get right. Like songs is fine. It, it, it's, it's. I, I, I think I want to get like I want to make it a bit more broad. So if you want to, uh, not just songs. So 
if you want to go like okay so this is a play people really should go like go to or i mean go to it's pretty damn hard yeah, now, just but, let's say uh read um some books they should read i think it because otherwise we will limit it only to music mm -hmm. and i think and certainly in this case it's um it's Definitely. uh better to to wind it up uh but i i want to i want to like quick fired uh so kind of these two questions so uh, what happens ideal from now and the recommendations so recommendations being the song or the book or whatever and what happens ideal from now just fire a couple things out like okay this happens that happens that happens um, so I, I want to sell the novel that I wrote and I want to like it, it's a one book it's book one of a series so I want to start writing that um, ideally so that would happen and ideally I'd be able to find an agent not only for novel for literary stuff but also for acting and i'd be able to start auditioning and find some smaller jobs that way and keep moving on with that that's directly the thing i'm most focused on right now i'd say that's ideally yeah <laughs> cool and cool. recommendations oh, that's a it's a tough one because like there's I'd say there's a lot of good books out there. Um, if you do, you want specific acting book recommendation or just general? No, just just something that that's kind of yeah, kind of general kind of thing. If if it doesn't have, it doesn't need to be like it doesn't need to relate to acting or maybe it's just a mindset or whatever. Um, mm. He's looking through his closet. <laughs> <laughs> Always, yeah. Oh, you should have told me this. I would have looked into it a bit more. Um, Noted. I will actually ask yeah, the next uh, guest uh, to prepare that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, I I say one thing I can say, and that this is maybe then kind of a vague recommendation. But one thing I have found is that you can find a book on practically anything, um, but you can't find an ebook on practically anything. Uh, so it's, but it's it's basically quite worth to when you look. Uh, into something when you're interested in something to uh, and what, what I've found is has helped me a lot to look at what other people have done like autobiographies like there's a great one um, by uh, Brian Cranston did one like a life in parts that's a great one but I think actually one I really enjoyed uh, recently is so actually actual recommendations right now uh, Leslie Odom Jr. failing up I'd say that's a great one to read because um, like he, he played Aaron Burr in Hamilton for people who, to whom that means anything. Uh, but <laughs> Brian Cranston is the, is the, it's Walter White from Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah people yeah, also yeah. don't know that yeah. one. So, and uh, just want to like bring that up. Brian, Brian Cranston is kind of like going through his entire life and uh, Leslie Owen Jr. is a bit younger. So he goes through his stuff as well. But the nice thing about his one is, is that he, very much speaks about like um what keeps him going what like what makes him tick and those kind of things and kind of like those life lessons that are so intensely valuable to learn um another recommendation <laughs> if we're talking about recommendations is yeah um, there we go <laughs> uh, this is not a book but i'd say masterclass is freaking amazing oh um, yeah like yeah. 
It feel it's it becoming a sponsor, like a, almost like a sponsored message, um, or like a message yeah. for from Let's get that placement. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll text them. Genuinely, that's <laughs> like especially right now they're diversifying a lot. They have added um, yeah. dog training. They've added ukulele playing playing recently, and apart from yeah, but that, also tennis by Serena Williams. The people that are on uh, there, are, um, it's ridiculous. There's so much wisdom there, and that's I think. Yeah, I th that's the main takeaway, really. The people before you, they have so much wisdom. And apart from the books that you can mm -hmm. read that tell you, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. Um, Life-specific wisdom can be so interesting and so validating. Even if you don't want to act, it's valuable to read a book uh, about an actor. Like, And especially, I find, autobiographies. Yeah. Because that's themselves, that's them writing how they have experienced what they've experienced and what they took out of that. And that's one of the most amazing things you can read, I think. I think also a lot of people need to realize that it's not necessary to reinvent the wheel in order to be oh, successful, no. but it's totally okay to see what other people did to make it work and also to adapt accordingly and, and make that work for yourself and take whatever insight you get from that. Definitely, yeah. Oh, that's another thing as well. Like there's so much how-to stuff out there on YouTube and so many people that like there's so many people willing to share their knowledge with you. So why would you say no to yeah. that? There's literally no reason to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. With that. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, uh, yeah. Thank you for joining me. Yeah. Joining us, sorry. Um, yeah, it's uh, sadly enough we didn't get Chris. Uh, I think he's still uh, trying to set up his own Wi-Fi port in, uh, in Greece. Um, uh, but uh, so this is going to be time. our yeah next time exactly. This is going to be our uh, our theme. Uh, hope you guys like it. Um, I mean, uh, I sure think you do. should. Yeah, we sure do it. So thanks. Uh, good night. Good evening good afternoon good morning whatever whenever you're listening you, you need to use a Truman one for that I know I know I know I know I know I keep messing that one up um what is it good morning good afternoon good night I don't know. anyway see you guys next time